Welcome to episode 111 of the Becoming Human podcast. This episode features Jake Steiner. He's a vagabond, entrepreneur, former stock trader, and he grew up with terrible myopia. Frustrated by his situation, Jake applied his skills to understanding why myopia or nearsightedness occurs. Through Jake's research, he was able to reduce his nearsightedness until his vision was completely restored, all without the use of exercises, glasses, or surgery. Jake developed a simple strategy to progressively improve his vision. This episode covers something that's been bothering me for a while. If glasses cause a negative immediate impact to vision, then how are they a sustainable solution for a person's life? Are they really fixing the problem, or are they just suppressing the symptoms? To learn more about Jake, go to endmyopia.org and find him on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as endmyopia. I'll be sure to leave all those links in the show notes. Without any further ado, here's Jake. Myopia, you know, people make fun of me for my pronunciation because I'm not a native English speaker. <laughs> Nearsightedness or shortsightedness, depending where you live. Generally, the whole thing where you can't see clearly at a distance without wearing glasses. And... Um, so many people are affected by it and usually I noticed that when they first get glasses their eyesight would like drop off substantially and that that seemed really weird to me it is shockingly weird isn't it right (laughs) and you know what's even weirder is the people who sell glasses right I call them retail optometrists because they make a a huge profit margin on selling glasses. Like imagine you're in a profession, right? Where somebody comes in with some kind of condition, like I can't see that well at a distance. And then you sell them this treatment and they're guaranteed to come back again and again and again. And each time they need more of it, right? Yeah. Like imagine being in that profession and never ever going, isn't that weird? Like, isn't it weird that the thing that I give people apparently somehow seems correlated to them needing more of it. I've been in uh, a startup where I watched that firsthand in a completely different field where you were seeing that it wasn't providing them sustainable help, right? The product required them to keep coming back and it only temporarily alleviated their discomfort. And that was a big selling point behind the curtain. And that was really frightening. I didn't work there for very long after that. Yeah, it's it really is. And and we're starting off at a different spot than I usually do in these chats. And I like it because that is the meat of it. Like I I'm a stock trader and an investor by trade. Like that's my main source of income. And I used to spend I, I'm still pretty well invested in lens stock. And that stuff was just like a winner every year. Like that is always going up and like lenses, like the the lenses in your glasses cost anywhere from 50 cents to like $2 wholesale. Like they're, they're super cheap, super, super cheap. And like people pay hundreds of dollars, 300, 400, $500 for a pair of glasses. And those things cost nothing, (laughs) right? They really don't. They really don't like so on a wholesale level, like the the the, the retail optometrist that we're selling that stuff is making a massive markup on them. Right. So right. they and 
those guys generally don't know. The people who manufacture lenses, I've got a bunch of the sales documents that they do behind the scenes. They completely know that the glasses you wear cause more myopia. Like it's actually the best place to start for anybody is Google Scholar, scholar.google.com. And if you type in, if you type in Google Scholar lens induced myopia, right? Like basically myopia created by lenses, you get tens of thousands of search results. And Google Scholar only shows clinical studies, right? Like it's not like regular Google. This is just peer reviewed clinical science, super boring to read. You're not gonna find any fun stuff in there, but it's all like the hardcore, like people have done a ton of studies, like tens of thousands of results that are showing that if you wear minus lenses, those glasses, you will get more myopia. Lens-induced myopia, really worth looking up. Wow, and I'll be sure to leave a link to that in the show notes too for anybody. Yeah, and that's where I would start because a lot of this, like whenever I look up health stuff online, it a lot of time ends up being like what I call unicorn farming. Right, like people have these kind of far-fetched ideas that are not like based in any science, and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't work. But myopia is one of those things where it's like there is no question, right? Like you can look at the science, and it clearly says you start wearing those minus lenses, your eyes will develop more myopia. Like not because they're sick, like you don't have a genetic deficiency, there's nothing wrong with you. It's the eye responding to a stimulus that's created by that lens. Hmm, that's interesting. And what is a myopia exactly? It's it's basically so you can't see clearly far away, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's that's all it means. But what the the reason it happens is there's two things. First, there's something called pseudomyopia, also worth looking up in Google Scholar. Like first, when your eyes start being not great. It's not, there's nothing wrong. Like there's nothing wrong other than you spend too much time staring at a close-up thing, like a book or a, or a screen most currently. Because you have a muscle in your eye, like it's, a fo- it's called a focusing or ciliary muscle that's mm-hmm. tense when you look up close because it shapes the lens in your eye for, for close-up. And if you keep that muscle tense for too long, like hours and hours and hours, it doesn't completely relax right away. Right. So if you spend like eight hours binging on Netflix, even if you have good eyesight and then you try to read something at a distance, it just it looks blurry for a moment because that muscle is just like kind of stuck for a little bit. And the more often you do that regularly, the more that muscle just doesn't relax. Pseudomyopia or near induced transient myopia. Those are the two clinical terms for that first bit of I can't see clearly far away. It's a muscle spasm. It's not a genetic condition. It's not an illness. There's nothing wrong. It's just you spend too much time with that muscle all tight because you were staring at a screen or a book. So that's how it starts. And then it becomes the lens-induced myopia because instead of going outside for a weekend, right, going rock climbing or whatever and not looking at screens, that would just go away by itself. But if instead you get glasses, the glasses move the light further back in your eye right like the 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 lens in the front of your eye focuses the light on the retina that's in the back of your eye mm-hmm. and then the eyeball itself elongates and shortens based on what it sees right like it has a built-in mechanism that keeps changing its shape so you have perfect vision mm-hmm. and when you wear minus lenses what they do is they move the light further back in your eye and your eye which is perfectly healthy other than the muscle spasm now goes the light's moved back further so I must be too short so the eyeball elongates because of the lenses moving the light back in the eye so your eyes basically perfectly healthy and it's just going 
I don't know what's wrong here, but I'm too short. So it elongates. Now, when you take those glasses off, the eyeball is longer than it was before. So now you see even less well at a distance. Mm. And what are some steps that people can do to correct that? Don't go to the optometrist. <laughs> Start there. <laughs> so <laughs> if you're already wearing glasses, that's one thing, right? Like if you are at the beginning stages where you're just like, man, my distance vision isn't so awesome. With kids, especially when kids start complaining, you print out an eye chart. Uh, I got free eye charts on our website, for example. And you stick it on the wall and you measure the distance. And if the kid can still see like 20, 40 or whatever, just get them away from the screens. Like the screen is the problem at that point when you only have pseudomyopia if you're already wearing glasses the main thing is do not get stronger glasses right like really what happens is like every time you get strong glasses that stimulus restarts in your eye and your eye again goes crap i'm still too short and it keeps growing even longer right like so step one is do not go back to the optometrist for stronger glasses because the only thing that happens with stronger glasses is even stronger glasses in the future right mm. so that's kind of step one is like just stop, stop with all that stuff. And then the second thing is um, a lot of this stuff is on Google Scholar. So there's mm -hmm. there's something called hyperoptic defocus where the the that's the thing where it causes the light to focus almost behind your retina and it makes the eye grow longer. Mm -hmm. And that happens the most when you use distance glasses while you're looking at something up close. Mm. Right. So, so you just went to the optometrist, you got your first pair of glasses, they're not that strong. You only need them for a distance. If you take them off, you can still see your computer just fine. If you always take them off every time, then your myopia generally won't get worse. Right. Mm. Like the main, main, main issue really is if you break it down is you should never use the distance glasses when you're looking at something that's not at a distance. Okay. That makes sense. Does it make sense? That does kind make of a lot sense, of yeah. stuff. And I've told this story so many times that sometimes I just kind of compress it all together. Mm -hmm. But if the super simple way to look at it is the lenses move light back further in your eye, right? Mm -hmm. And that happens the most if you misuse the lens by using it at a distance where you don't need it, right? Like you're up close, mm -hmm. you're just looking at your screen, not that big of a deal. You can still see it if you take your glasses off. If you always take your glasses off, you're fine. Problem is, most people don't know that, and the retail optometrist doesn't tell them that because he probably doesn't know it. So now, when you have stronger glasses, you can't even see your screen anymore, right? Like eventually, you get to the point where you're just like, like people listening to a podcast take their glasses off and they can't see anything, right? At that point, you're kind of you're in a tougher spot. Like I used to start out like when I. I, I used to wear glasses, so I had minus five diopter myopia, which is like mm -hmm. thick glasses. They're so thick. Actually, like if I take them off and I put them on a table and I'd forget where I put them, I would never find them again. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, because I just couldn't see anything, right? Like it was like, that was rough. That is rough. And and so it's almost like, right, when, when your vision, it's hard to see far away. And then when you look up close and it might be easy, but you still have assistance when it's easy, eventually that becomes hard too, right? Yeah, Even without exactly. the assistance. Yeah, and then you go back to the optometrist and you just get more of those glasses and more and more and more. Eventually, like, you reach an equilibrium where just that's where you stay at. Mm -hmm. But you don't want, really want to get there. Like, for me, that was minus five. And, like, I grew up doing sports. Like, I loved a bunch of sports. Like, I played water polo as a teenager and I loved it. 
but my eyes just kept getting worse and in the water, right? You can't do contacts. For water polo, you can't wear goggles. I mean, you're just kind of, well, you can now, but <laughs> the ball just started turning into this yellow blur, right? And like every year, the blur would just become like a bigger blur. And I would just like train myself to try to aim for the middle of the blur to catch that stupid ball. Oh. And eventually it was just to the point where I'm like, Man, I can't see my teammates' facial expression. You know, I'm just like becoming this handicapped person. It was, yeah, it was no good. Wow, that's wild. And is there ways that you can you're able to re- relax your eye um, o- over time? Like, so if you were to stop using the glasses to look at um, things that are up close, um, are there anything else that you do to be able to further your progress? Yeah, so like I reversed all that minus five, right? Like uh-huh. we're doing video, even though this podcast is just audio. I'm not wearing glasses, I'm not wearing contacts. I didn't do LASIK. Like I've got 2020 eyesight now, but it took me like freaking 10 years to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and mainly, mainly it was I would reduce, like I'd have like minus five. Right. So instead of minus five, I'd wear minus four point seven five. Like I'd just go down one step. Mm. Right. And then you can still see clearly, but not as clearly. And like if there's a license plate at a distance and it's kind of blurry. But if you like focus on it, if you make yourself focus on it, you can still read it like your eyes will clear it up a bit. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there's always some like latitude in, in your eyesight, like passively, you can't really see it. But if you like blink at it and it kind of clears up. So that's not how I started because I didn't know what I was doing and I did it all the wrong way. But mm-hmm. basically the right way is to go, OK, do I really need this high of a correction or could I go a little bit lower? And you mm-hmm. gradually reduce your dependence like like after like it takes about three or four months, like after three or four months of being once step lower, like a quarter dob to lower, then your eyes have adjusted to that and you can see the way you could before the reduction. Oh, wow. And then you reduce it by that amount again. Every three to four months, you can go down about a quarter diopter. If you're doing everything right, like I'm skipping a lot of the details, right? Yeah, like, of course. Don't spend too much time looking at your screen. Don't do it in an artificially lit room too much. Like, don't binge on Netflix for, for four hours before going to bed. Like, kind of common sensey stuff. But mm-hmm. the basic premise is just like you're slowly weaning yourself off of those diopters very slowly, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's like you go down by one diopter a year. So I could have done it in five years if I knew what I was doing back then. But mm-hmm. your eyes, the same way that your eyes got quote unquote worse. They really didn't. They just adjusted to the glasses. They will also adjust to less and less and less of the glasses, too. <laughs> and there's potential for, for people to get back to 2020 vision? For sure. Absolutely. Like, emmyopia.org, my silly website, which is just kind of a procrastination project, <laughs> we, we have... I mean, last year we had 1.2 million regular visitors to the site. Wow. Like, it's massive. And every single day, every single day, I get multiple, multiple email of people with their improvement reports, largely unprompted. And there's a ton of people who have gotten back to 2020. I try to put it all on the website. Like, every time somebody tells me, hey, I'm finally out of glasses, I passed my DMV, whatever, like, hmm. I try to post them on the site. I don't always do it, but there's a bazillion of those mm-hmm. firsthand reports that a lot of times are like from Facebook and other places. So people don't accuse me of making them up. Mm-hmm. Tons, right? Like it just yeah. takes time. 
Yeah, it really does. And also stepping out of your own way to show, right, like you're you're trying to share like knowledge, right, and your experience, not with the focus on you, essentially. Yeah. And the thing, too, is like people adjust their the, – the weird thing that happens is like, like a hamster in a cage syndrome happens where like people stop doing the things they did when they didn't wear glasses and now they don't have a reason to get rid of them anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, like a lot of people I talk to are like, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't I kind of stopped even because like even friends I have who wear like contact lenses that are not that strong. I'm like, dude, you could mm-hmm. get rid of those in a year or two. And they're like, yeah, whatever. Fine. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, it, you see, well, you see that with like uh, injuries too, and people who have who have like you know niggling shoulder pain, right? And you're just like, well, you know, you could just do some rehab, and you know, or if you got you got like clicking in your knee, like you, there's some rehab you could do. You could do some strength and conditioning, and you can get yourself feeling probably better than what you you originally felt. And I get that, mm, yeah. <laughs> it's like, but I want I want some pain medication. Like I want to refill my prescription. I'm like, wow. Oh, huh. And and it's interesting because my experience though with like the strength and conditioning, um, perhaps a little bit different because you have like a, a an activity that you could do based on it. But like that, everyone you grow up with uh, jungle gyms, right? Because every child like wants to play, play within their own body, be creative, stuff like that, and like exercise is merely or could be an extension of play right and you find some way that you like to move your body for health and for fun and if you do that then like your relationship between uh rehabilitation and prehab is completely different it's like oh my shoulder my uh shoulder really hurts i can't put my head above or my hands above my head that gets in the way of me um playing disc golf okay and then now i'm gonna play and i'm gonna fix that like but a lot of people have that mindset that kind of that makes it very challenging to take those. Yeah, and that's and that's really the thing like that I struggle with because I'm like, okay, you can reverse myopia. You do not need glasses. Like that is so fixable. There's no question, right? Like we've done it going on twenty years now and tens of thousands of people have done it. Like there I I'm willing to bet any amount you can get rid of your glasses. The, the, the problem really becomes is that people don't give a shit. And the problem behind that is like they change their life in a way that they adopted to a thing where glasses don't matter anymore. So like my whole thing is slowly turning into a like, do you realize that you're a screen addicted zombie? Right. Mm-hmm. And like how how much do you really want to be like on your deathbed one day and look back at your life and it's all filled with memories of scrolling through facebook mm-hmm. you know like, like vicariously that's living other experiences right yeah like th- that's where you're going like one day at a time you know and then it's like it becomes this whole thing it's like imagine try to think of stuff that you would do if you didn't need glasses like watch some of those stupid gopro videos and be like would that be something you would like to do mm-hmm. you know yeah. and then and then and then set yourself like a goal that's like based on not based on stupid getting rid of glasses because nobody cares but it's like if you want to rock climb like if that looks amazing then like sign up for a rock climbing gym right and realize that that shit's not going to be that fun if you need to be wearing glasses and you're on some rock wall somewhere and they they fall off your head right and now you yeah, don't know exactly. what you know so <laughs> yeah. Like the whole thing needs to exist in that larger context of how am I limiting my life 
subconsciously because I'm stuck behind these things that are literally like you're wearing those blue blockers right now. Like imagine that frame existing around your world, right? Like your world is like blocked in mm-hmm. by these, by this black square and that's all you can see. Uh, and, and without and them. Oh, without yeah, be- them too, you're like completely dependent on them and you're helpless if it's that bad. Yeah, I was, I mean, I went from, okay, so now for example, uh, last month we were kite surfing for a month in Vietnam and yeah that is stuff I would have never thought I would do like if you would have asked me like before I started this I would have been like dude I'm too clumsy that shit is scary like I would have had a million excuses but since I don't wear glasses anymore I realized that that was really holding me back mm-hmm. right because I don't wear glasses anymore and I ran into these people on a plane that teach kite surfing and they were like you should try it out So I went and tried it out and it looked super fun. Like when I wear glasses, it looked not fun, right? But Mm -hmm. I didn't realize at the time that my excuses are not about I'm clumsy and stuff. It was these things in front of my face. My brain was like, dude, you would die if you do this (laughs) shit. You know what I mean? Like, like, oh, yeah, (laughs) it just helps box you in just even a little more, right? Yeah, it does. And people don't realize that. And I'm like, I don't know why I care because I shouldn't care. And I'm not that like I'm not the kind of guy who cares about humanity a whole lot. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm like when I see people scrolling on their phones, I'm like, dude, this is like like Apple sold you a thousand dollar phone and Facebook is harvesting your data and advertisers are selling your ads like you right now. You're like you're just you're not alive, you know, put that stupid thing down. Yeah. Where's like the real raw visceral experience where you question whether or not you should be doing that or you're going to be able to get, you know, to get through it and not even in like this life or death scenario, but it, it could even be like, you know, traveling and dealing with uncertainty or going into like a big crowd, right. And having to perform in front of a crowd or put up your artwork or share it to a friend, like something that, that makes you really feel alive. Right. Yeah, seriously. And we live in this weird time because you and I are both old enough to where we existed before this shit, right? Mm-hmm. But now there's literally a generation that doesn't know life before that, right? Before the instant gratification of scrolling through stuff and watching crazy YouTube videos. Like if you wanted that, you had to go out and do it yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't get that high by just watching a thing. Like you'd have to be like, well, I guess I'm going to do something. Yeah, all right. of it's instantly accessible, right? Yeah, that's such a problem. <laughs> and nobody well, will tell you because they all make money off of it, like from A to Z, from Apple selling the phone to Google and the ads to the retail optometrists selling you glasses. Like, they're all happy, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, 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 keep looking at that thing. The, the ability to delay gratification, though, is like one of the, the biggest skills because it, that's like with capitalism and convenience, that's one of the biggest things, right? Like you, you're able to avoid or uh, how would I say this, like withhold convenience um, to delay gratification, right? For something in your own interest. And it's not like I try to remind my son because he's like, dad, you just why don't you like like any dessert or anything like that? Why don't you like, you know, cake? I'm like, well, listen, man, just because like I don't try to eat cake with every meal or just because I don't try to bring it, bring it into the dinner table once a week. Right. I have it maybe on your birthday um, and on the rare celebration. It's not because I don't love it. It's because what it how it affects me overall is not as pleasurable 
as how I want to feel, right? I want to feel good. I want to feel healthy. And like in the long term, in the big picture, that is more valuable and more enjoyable to me than this immediate sensation of, ah, oh, this tastes good, right? Yeah. And like, and yeah, yeah. I feel like now it's up to us. Like we somehow, which is weird to me because I'm not that guy, like we end up having to remind or teach people about this, right? Like, which sounds weird to me because I'm the la- I just I just came back from Bangkok and I discovered a thing called grab food. I guess with like Uber grab and food. other places. like it's like a delivery like oh Uber, like Postmates US, and stuff. Yeah, where they just like they have the restaurants and the menus and you just pick stuff and like the dude shows up with whatever you want, right? Yeah. Like from one app. And I didn't know about this, right? And I'm, I'm like living in Asia. I live in this Burmese jungle where literally like you will eat whatever you find. Oh, that's like cool. there's no grocery store. It's like, oh, the neighbor's thing just ripened. That's what we're going to eat today, right? Like, wow, yeah, that sounds like or fun. somebody killed a pig. Like you're going to have some pork today. Like it's literally like there's no choice. <laughs> so I'm in Bangkok, right? And I'm just like, what? I can order whatever I want. And I found this. <laughs> I found this Mexican restaurant, like insane. Like for a guy who has not eaten Western food in a long time, I was just like, I pigged out. And I could have driven there, right? Like it was like 20 minutes away and I'm like, I can stay in my room, you're telling me, right? And watch Netflix at the same time eating Mexican food. Oh yeah. Like delaying gratification was not happening for like two weeks. I was just like, nope. I didn't even drive there. Like it's a nice place. I'm like, no, I'm gonna have the guy come here. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I I got back here and I feel like shit. I have to say, like, I clearly got fatter. Like my eyes got worse from staring at a screen. Like, I don't feel good now, but I can see how if you live in a city and you're surrounded by these temptations, it's really hard to go. Why should I not do any of this stuff? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, like, why should I not order Mexican food every day? <laughs> yeah. Because, well, right, like, if all you know are these these stimuluses and those are like the – in your hierarchy, those are the utmost, right? Like, the thing that you look forward to most is going to go and catch – nothing wrong with this, right? But teach their own. But, like, your hierarchy is like, let's go catch this newest movie and let's go out to eat at this really nice restaurant, right? Like – or if your hierarchy is like, let's go, you know, climb said mountain, let's go, you know, go out in the ocean, let's go fishing, right? Like if you have a different hierarchy, you have access to different stimulus. And when all you know is, is like the movies are like this, like very surface level entertainment thing, um, you don't really strive outside of that, right? And why would you? Because like, yeah. that's, that's your environment. This is what you grew up in. And it's hard for me to understand because I grew up in a, in the Bay Area, right? In like San Francisco, California. And I got moved to a town of 300 in Idaho. And <laughs> yeah, it, there, no, like, it's like crappy internet. And there wasn't really any internet at all. But, um, and barely any TV, like 25 channels. And I was, I was super miserable, but I got like the two extremes, right? And, and having all of those uh, coalesce together, you know, as I would get older, it, it taught me a lot of uh, perspective. And when I would re-enter like uh, a metropolis, right, in that culture, I was really surprised by the the amount of like perspective in the life experience because they'd never be out have been out in like the wilderness or their concept yeah. of it was like that one time they'd go up to you know like tahoe right and 
and that's like such a commercialized like front country like ski resort experience which is cool but that's not really what the like wilderness is they don't even they have a way different idea of what bears are to me right and when you're in that scenario, I can see how you have different values and it can be really hard to be able to delay gratification and not just be like super impulsive and like what makes me feel good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I can't, I mean, I can't honestly can't, can't claim that I'm better than anybody else because I think when you, when I'm in those environments, I really struggle to not just partake. Right. Like the same way. Like I'm super good because like I live in the jungle, I have no choice. Like we, it's off grid. Like if you want to plug in your phone, like you know, I know how many watts that phone consumes an hour. I know how much solar I have available. Like I know all that stuff, right? So it makes me totally different on every level of consumption. Mm. But it's not because I'm an awesome guy. It's just because I'm stuck in this freaking jungle. Well, right? when you when you said like you're commenting on, on um, you know how you have the opportunity to be able to talk to people um, about you know, your experiences and in your perspective and also with like trying to get away from the screens. Right. And you kind of have this, this air about you of it's like, you don't, you feel a little uncertain coming from that place. Right. Coming from being someone who teaches people. Uh, but the biggest thing is, is that we all have to teach each other because at any given moment, I'm probably going to be doing something that is not in my best interest. And <laughs> I, I, I would love and I need the help. Like I can't do it alone. Right. Um, of people around me and people who inspire me for whatever reason, because they have to inspire me or else you're forcing me to do something um, to teach me like how the choices that I could be making, right? The potential of, of my life. And I think it's like up to, or I would hope that all of us spend at least some time being able to communicate the things that we've learned and to try to help each other because we couldn't do it alone. And if someone thinks that they can do it alone, you should be very skeptical of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's a really, the delaying gratification as like, as those specific words are something that I haven't really put into this context, like that's coming from you. And I really like that because that's even getting closer because I've made it as far as people's problem is a screen addiction and no longer looking for things, right? Like when people are like, I want to fix my eyesight, kind of, I'm like, okay, so the first thing is like, what, what would you use it for, right? Mm -hmm. So I've made it as far as like, you've lost your reasons to do stuff with your eyes. So you've, you've lost your ability to see, right? It's like, it's almost like a kind of a funny short take on evolution. You just lost this ability because you don't use it. That's mm -hmm. not why, right? But it's kind of like that. Like you don't need your distance vision, so you don't have it. But you're right. Like ultimately it's about delaying gratification, like going, right? Like I need to be bored long enough to find a way to entertain myself that's not turning on a thing. But, but in – we often delay gratification for things that are inherently meaningful to us, right? Because anything else would be, like I said, would be like forced and it would be tyranny, right? Um, and most people would object to it. Like even if you – like how many times have you done something because you have to, right? Unless it's in the name of pursuing something that that's meaningful to you. You've probably right. done like a, a bunch of you know um, bullshit to do – to create endmyopia.org. 
right? Like that, that is not what you're passionate about, but it was all in the name to do stuff that you're passionate about. And that's where with exercise, I found it interesting because I would smoke, I smoked cigarettes um, since I was 10. I'd smoke a pack a day. Yeah. A Mar, Mar bread 100. So it, it was rough, man. Um, and I quit one day, like I, after years and years of trying to quit, I, I finally get into like a, a sport that I'm really passionate about. I'm in uh, martial arts, right? Doing mixed martial arts. And I noticed in kickboxing that I'd gas out, I'd have lower cardio. Um, instead of thinking about the need to run more, I looked at like smoking because I was the only smoker there. And my coach would give me crap about it all the time, just, you know, jovial, joking. And at one point, though, it came – I was like, well, I really like to do martial arts and this thing is impeding me from from performing at my best, right? I feel terrible sometimes when I go in. I'm always – I'm coughing up loogies in the, you know, in the corner. Um, I want to get better. And that was the moment where it was a lot easier to be able to walk away from nicotine. And, you know, I haven't smoked for years now. And it's – it's great. And like, I even think about exercise in the, in that way, because with strength and conditioning and cardio, that was always a chore. But when it came to martial arts and it was able to improve something that I cared about, it was meaningful to delay gratification, do something that's, you know, uncomfortable and boring and repetitive so that I can, you know, do something that's meaningful. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Like I messed up my rotator cuff especially my left one, but they're both kind of screwed. And I was told I need surgery, right? Like they were just like, no question, right? They were just, it's funny. It's, I really, I used to have so much faith in mainstream medicine because both of my parents are doctors mm-hmm. and there seems to be an answer for everything. And it was actually my dad who was like, you need surgery, right? Like, so I'm like, well, that's, damn. But that was already, there was already internet, right? Like before mm-hmm. internet, you had no, there was no access to, to other ideas but I'm like okay so I went online I'm like a lot of people are like maybe you don't and so I started doing all these rehabilitation exercises and I'm fine now right like I got full Mm -hmm. range of motion the only little thing being I can't stop doing that because if I lose the supporting muscle then I'm back to this messed up rotator rotator cuff so they say Mm -hmm. Right. So now I'm like, I have to go to the gym, like even if I don't feel like it, because I know like some like I've skipped like three weeks at one point and then my shoulder started hurting. And I'm like, oh. I got to do it. Right. Like, <laughs> but that's what you're talking about. Like when you have a bigger reason. Right. Like I do not want to wander around with a messed up shoulder. So I must go boring and repetitive. But I would argue that you it by just by looking at your background, right, you have a high degree of willpower at times. I'm not I'm not throwing you I'm not gonna put you on a pedestal, right? But I will give you the credit of like probably if you put yourself in a group, you might go the distance a little further. Um and but in saying that, if you were to find some type of activity that would require like if you were to do climbing, <laughs> that would push you even farther to where like skipping, you know, doing going to the gym or anything like that would take you less discipline and less willpower so that you have more space for that for other things. Because now it's just rolled into your passion as opposed to like avoiding further injury, which is important. Right. But I think you it would add more steam to it. And that's like with vision because I get interested in, in that. Like if, if it's like bird watching, um, hunting, like a variety of things that would require some type of long distance vision um, would be interesting in building it in someone's like uh, hobbies. 
Yeah, and actually you can get better. You can get crazy good eyesight. Like if you really, really, you can get past 2020. Like 2020 is you're fine, right? That's not really amazing vision. Like just people that can see, like I joke about the ants in space, but like people that, that primarily spend time in distance vision mode tend to be able to see things really far away, right? Mm. At, at, at some compromise to the close-up vision, and you can also train that. Like, it doesn't, not everybody, not to the same degree, like you run into limits of your own biology, but we've worked on that in the past. And some people that are really persistent and have a reason to, like military and stuff where you really spend a lot of time potentially using your distance vision and you're really motivated to do so. I've seen people do amazing stuff, like, mm-hmm. like stuff I can't see with binoculars. And the dude's like, oh, do you see the, you know, there's like that radio <laughs> antenna back there. I'm like, you're kidding me, right? Like, I cannot see that. That's wild. I've even noticed yeah. that with night vision is a big one. Yeah. And and any refractive area that you have, so any like if your eyesight is compromised at all, it'll become much more obvious once your pupils dilate. Right. So as it gets darker, you seem to be seeing fine during the day. But unless your vision is like really on point as you lose light, you lose contrast and your pupils dilate. So your vision may seem worse. But it's like it's already not so great during the daytime, but you don't notice it because pupil is small and you got lots of contrast. Oh, wow. That's interesting. And Eyesight is super easily fixable. Like that's one of those things where I'm like when the debates like Hong Kong and Singapore, school age children, the incidence rate of myopia is over 90 percent. So basically that means if you're a kid in those countries, you you have myopia, right? And Singapore actually has it in their top three government health things that they're trying to fix and improve is myopia. Like it is like a, a notable high priority. I've tried to talk to those guys so many times and it's always like, yeah, no, no. Like what, where's your degree at? Are you an ophthalmologist? And I'm like, okay, none of those guys have any answers, right? Like. Is it time to take a look like a little bit further outside? And then I start quoting some of the science, right? Like this is what happens. Like the biology is clear. There's no question. These guys are motivated by like they're trained in schools that are funded by interests to promote like selling all of this stuff. Right. But already it's like they're like, no, nah, we're not listening to you. Whatever. Dude. Just shut you down. <laughs> yeah. It's like whatever. <laughs> But it is incredibly simple to fix. Like for anybody who's listening to this, who has a passing interest, who has a suspicion that they may be doing better, having more fun, like trying things, it's super easy to fix. It really is. There's a big interest in martial arts that I find because that's a bit of an issue where you can't really wear goggles and you can't wear contacts because you get punched in the face. And yeah. The, you only get the, punched in the face if you suck at it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, kidding. kidding. You just wear the glasses and take the risk and be like, no one's touching me. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, wait, so if if you're a person out there and let's say so one of the listeners is noticing that their vision's slipping, um, what would be your what would be a good idea for them to to try? Right. How would they get back on that horse, for instance? Buy, buy, buy a phone that has buttons on. Mm. That's where I'd start. I mean, that's I'm kind of exaggerating there, but the one of the real issues. So you've got the the main thing that causes your vision to quote unquote start slipping your distance vision 
is that close-up time. And that happens less in adulthood. Like, you already dialed in. You already have your routines. Your vision is usually what it is. Um, if your eyesight's suddenly getting worse at a distance, first look at your habits. Like, did you move, right? Like, did you move your computer away from being near a window to somewhere dark? That would be an example, right? Like your vision is compromised, what we just talk, talked about, like your pupils are wider open. So now you're straining more, move your computer back to the window. Like if it's a sudden change, look at what else changed in your lifestyle. Other than that, like especially kids I always tell parents, no phones, no phones, and also no phones. Like a, a TV, TV distance or a computer screen distance is a much further distance than the phone. And the problem with the phone is that screen is so small, right? Like mm. I have a phone and I try to not use it because like I will, even if it's like an iPad, I will have it instinctively keep it further away from me than that small screen that is the phone, right? Mm. Like phone is really a big issue. And then because then you get a message, right? And then the message leads you to your other notifications and then you're already there. So you're scrolling through Instagram and like that time that you're like this close, you're already spending too much time with close up and your phone is usually very often that one thing too much, mm. right? Like it makes a massive difference. When I was that Bangkok story, like I let myself go a little bit on purpose. I was kind of like make it an mm. experiment. I'd go for massage, play on my phone, right? Like I'd be on the subway, play on my phone, stuff I normally don't do. And mm -hmm. just like three weeks of that, I noticed my eyesight was like significantly affected by that. Like that that stupid distance wow. with the phone, like I, I just don't like those things at all. So it's move, as much, move that stuff to your computer, right? Like move that stuff to where you're like, okay, I'm not like you and the cake. Right, like I have, I have entertainment time and I have answer messages time, and that's when I'm at a distance from a screen that's a fixed distance, and I don't have it in my pocket and I don't play with it like an addict, you know. It is a strange thing now that you know since we're talking about it that I notice that every every time that there's a street light, right, or there's just a break in that doesn't require someone's attention, it's straight to their phone. Whether I'm at it's like. <laughs> It's super addictive. Like, and I, I try to stay a lot of times. I try to not touch on that because people get addiction is a thing, right? Like, mm -hmm. that people do not like to have the addictions questioned, right? It's like, a, as soon it's as a very like, human experience. Everyone is susceptible to it, right? Yeah, yeah. And then as soon as I go less phone time, people are already like tuned out because they're like, the what? That's my favorite thing in the world. Like, <laughs> screw you, go away. <laughs> but. It really is, right? Like the, I just had uh, the camera lens on it broke, so I didn't have it for X amount of days. And I, it reminded me, I'm like, I used to leave this thing at home all the time, right? And when you have it in your pocket, it's just too easy to go, oh, I'm bored. Like you ordered food, you sit in the restaurant, it takes 10 minutes to arrive. Instead of talking to your friends, you're like, scroll, 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 scroll. Like these like small steps leading to that addiction, leading to you being too close to the screen, right? That ciliary muscle is super tense at that distance and it doesn't fully relax when you get away from the phone, right? And then it, it is work, it's slowly relaxing, but then 20 minutes later you're back on the phone and now it's back to being strained. Like there's never enough time for the muscle to relax, right? Like I, I always tell people like, if you go on for a walk, don't take your phone because the uninterrupted distance time is really important, right? Because the muscle that's, a muscle that's been over tensioned and is spasmed goes back to that really easily 
right? Like it just takes a little bit of going back to like strain that it spasms again. So you need plenty of time to just be like, okay, I don't have this thing with me for two hours. Makes a big difference as opposed to those two hours having 10 interruptions by you staring at that close-up distance. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And how would th- would any of this stuff apply to someone who's becoming nearsighted where they're not able to see up close? Um, it's called presbyopia. Like as you're getting older, mm-hmm. that same lens gets harder with age. There's no fi- no known fix for that. The internet will tell you otherwise, but it just gets harder with age. Um, so you will see less clearly up close with time. But so that's a fact, like there's no, that's just how it is. But do you need glasses for that? That's a big question mark. Like the mm. retail optometrist will tell you absolutely. Oh, once you're in your forties, you are going to need glasses. Like they're just right. Like money, mm. but realistically, okay. So here's a weird thing. This is kind of anecdotal. This is not scientific. I have not yet heard from anyone in this 20 plus years of doing this stuff who has improved the eyesight, who's ever come back to me and said, hey, by the way, I need glasses for reading now. Highly Mm -hmm. anecdotal. On the other side, though, I've had lots of people who had both myopia, like they couldn't see clearly at a distance. They're also older and they couldn't see clearly up close. And they got rid of their myopia and the presbyopia at the same time. Mm. So they improved the distance vision and they also improved the close-up vision. Because once you start realizing that there's a there's a way to passively see the world and there's a way to see the world where you challenge your eyesight a little bit and you reduce your dependence on the reading glasses, right? Like your reading glasses are like plus two right now, but you only really need plus 1.5, right? But the the optometrist was like, why not treat yourself to the plus two, man? Like you're going to see even better, right? Mm-hmm. Once you realize that's actually bad for you and you go to the plus 1.5 and you you challenge your eyes a little bit and you get into better habits a couple months down the road that's all you need right you don't mm. don't need the plus two anymore and then it's like okay maybe six months from now maybe you go down another quarter doctor right mm-hmm. and you're going to eventually reach the point where you may eventually reach the point this is not my main field right but i've seen lots of people do it where it's like they still have presbyopia as the lens is harder but they're no longer really dependent on glasses to read like right a recipe book or check their phone mm, yeah. it's not lens dependence that i question on that stuff like everybody is trying to sell you something and the real answer involves no product right so the real answer doesn't get promoted because it doesn't make money right like there's no like what i'm doing like enmiopia is not a very profitable thing at all because mm-hmm. the answer doesn't involve selling you stuff it just involves you challenging your eyesight and getting away from bad habits right and picking up new hobbies basically mm. right so you, so you don't get a lot of good advice from anywhere that you can walk into that the person has to pay rent to be there yeah that makes sense it's not in their incentive and that's what i was telling about the startup uh my startup experience is like I wasn't, those guys were just in a situation where they had to pay rent, right? And they had to make more money. And if they're making more money, it's, you, you see it in a lot of different industries, right? Free market, it's like, doesn't often go, you know, question. That's a human thing. Like, I mean, if I were making more money, all of a sudden I started making twice the amount of money I was a month. Like, I would like to think that I would question that and that I would probably speak out against it if I see something that's causing a problem, right? Or not helping people, but, you know, 
I've had trouble in the past, right? Like we, we all are at times not acting in the best interest of other people, you know? Well, and the thing with me too is like, if I wasn't making bank doing other stuff, who knows what I would do with something like this? Like yeah. if all my income went away tomorrow and all that was left was in myopia, I, who knows if I might not look at that thing and go, hmm, what could we sell here? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it is of course, like you got a, you got bills to pay. I got a kid, got to feed the kid, right? Like it's, this whole thing for me is mainly like it started out as procrastination and I, I'm really like when I started trying to improve my eyesight and I found answers like that was before the internet right I was literally reading stuff in in libraries like who still remembers that and I would find out how the eye works and I would start reading these studies and I'm like holy crap man like how come no optometrist ever told me this like factual stuff so I would start talking to optometrists and I expected there to be a dialogue and then all I got instead was like super hardcore arrogant like you're either here to buy glasses or get out of my office and I'm like I'd literally show up with like biology books going look at how the eyeball responds to stimulus like this is what's going on and then the people would just literally be like get out like So that's like a lot of amyopia started out with me just like being genuinely like I was pissed. Like I was pissed at that treatment. And then my eyesight started improving. I'm compressing the timeline a lot, right? And then I was like, that's amazing. So I'd go back to optometrists and I'm like, hey, I need lower correction glasses. And they wouldn't sell them to me. And I'd be like, like how, why not? And they're like, no, because if you have these glasses, that's the minimum, like by law, we can't sell you. And then I checked out the laws and by law, you only need 2040 vision for driving license. So I'm like, what law? There's no law. But then they'd be like, get out of my office. So like so much of this whole thing is not founded on me being like an awesome guy and trying to help the world. Like I was angry. Like I was just like, screw these guys, you know? Mm-hmm. And that continued. And when the thing was small and like, I would get a lot of hate mail and people would be like calling me all kinds of things. And I'm like, huh, interesting, right? And I would just keep posting all the science mm-hmm. and then more people would come around and people start improving the eyesight. And now it's to the point where they don't mess with us anymore because they post shit about us on social media. And all of a sudden you get like a hundred comments from people going, dude, shut up. <laughs> they stop, right? Like it, the tides turned a little bit now, but it's still like... I get all these emails from parents like now that's my current motivation where they have young kids like I got a four-year-old and they have these kids these, these ages where the optometrist says unfortunately your child has myopia and we're gonna have to sell glasses and I'm like that is bullshit right like as a parent I'm like you do whatever you want making money off of adults but these are little kids mm-hmm. and you're going to screw up their childhood like if you put glasses on a child that affects their fine motor control their peripheral vision doesn't work properly anymore they're going to get more anxious like you're really limiting their development right so that's no joke mm-hmm. and then i tell and and on the website there's a bazillion stories from parents who who figured that out and their ch- children don't need glasses right like so now i'm like I'm kind of motivated again, not by altruism or because I'm such a nice guy, but I'm like, it again makes me angry that these people are not purposely, maybe just by ignorance, but misleading the, the next generation, right? Like, imagine the guy tells you that your kid needs glasses. Like, get out of here, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and for any of any of y'all who like to wear tinfoil hats out there, is like, I like what you're saying is like perhaps not on purpose, right? Um, Definitely not on purpose. Okay, so for one, we've got a bunch of really supportive optometrists in our Facebook group that 
that generally like played safe, right? Mm -hmm. But that are, and lots of people have found optometrists who understand how the eye works and agree. And if you specifically ask them, they will help you, right? Like if you already know about this stuff, if you go in there and you're like, hey, I need adopted less for my computer use. And some people will just know this stuff. They're like, yep, don't use them for driving. Here you go, mm -hmm. right? But a lot of, so there are cool people, but if you, it's more like, you're a teenager, right? And you're deciding on a career path and like optometry. Yeah, my friend's doing that. And then you go to school and then you get a degree and that you, you, this is what you're taught. And then you try to find a job and you get a job at some chain and they sell glasses. Like it's not your job to fix people's eyes. You're just following a path, right? Mm -hmm. so I'm not mad at any of these people because they're literally just doing their job. What I'm mad at is like when faced with, with biological facts, how do you not take a look at this, right? And I understand even that, because like once you build a belief system, like that belief system- Becomes an ideology. Own... Right, yeah. So I understand all of it, but it still makes me upset. A, a short story on the flip side is, um, and this happened more than once, but one, the first time that I ever ran into this is a friend of ours, an optometrist in Hong Kong, started, pretty much talking to people about this, like especially the kids, like you can get rid of your glasses, right? Some of his peers, literally other optometrists around there got jealous because he was getting a bunch of business. They reported him to the optometry board. Ooh. Yeah, but all the guy was talking about was like facts, like, like completely substantiated, no tinfoil hat stuff, like go to Google Scholar, the answers are there. The board said, we're taking your license. Oh, no. True story. You can talk to the guy. The guy's still practicing because eventually they made him a deal. And the deal was you will never talk about this again. Wow. Right. So now it's the kind of thing. He's just an optometrist. He's got his shop. And if you know him and if you know what to say when you walk in there, he's going to help you. But he's never going to bring it up again. That's crazy. He's not the only guy. And these are literally people you can go talk to, like no tinfoil hat, no BS. But that's why there is not more mainstream support. It's because even people understand this stuff. A, it's hard to sustain a business because it would take a lot more time to help people and explain stuff. And B, the board that gives you your license might go, hey, that's not what we taught you in school. Oh, right? Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And I've seen a similar example with a this is anecdotal, but... Um, there was a surgeon, right, and this lady needed a hip replacement, and he was counseling her that she could do uh, physical therapy. And if she were to stick with consistent physical therapy, she wouldn't need the surgery. Well, he got in, uh, he got in trouble because he was doing stuff like that a lot. And the hospital wanted him to have X amount of surgeries done, right? And he was a surgeon, and he was deferring these patients. And they, he got in trouble, and they threatened to fire him if he were to continue doing that because it wasn't good for their business. Yeah. And, like, in, yeah. And that's why, okay, so the Internet is tricky. And this thing I always try to remind people, because I get a lot of people that come from alternative health type stuff and i'm always like man that is a it's a tricky thing right because you can't trust the mainstream but the, the flip side of that is also not necessarily people know what they're doing either mm -hmm. right like there's a lot of crap online like i had thyroid issues and i did a bunch of research on that and holy crap <laughs> people get into stuff that's just like freaking dangerous mm -hmm. right and 
there's forums and groups and lots of people are like, yeah, this is great. And I'm like, and I go to Google Scholar and I looked it up and I look up toxicology on things and I'm like, you guys are doing what? Right? And then there's, then there's these like doctors that are really acupuncture doctors that put doctor in front of the name who promote these things. And it's just like, you gotta be super careful, right? Like the cool thing about the mainstream is that at least they're keeping track of it not killing people, right? Like that hip surgery might not be good for you, but the alternative of whatever weeds some guy might be selling you might be a bad idea. So I always tell people like, if you stray from the mainstream path, you gotta be super careful to do your research. Right. That's because like nobody's dip- looking out for you. Well, no, and that's like the difference between order and chaos, right? Like right. too much. You're kind of running into this like excessive order thing, and but if you plunge deeply into chaos, and you're just like, well, fuck all of these regulations, and you're like, so all the mainstream is horrible, and you go off and like you have like Reiki healing, you have you know yeah acupuncture, and I mean this is a little mainstream, but you have like chiropractor, and a variety of things you got mediums you have homeopathic medicine like and it's just like where the, where the hell is the end in sight because i've seen adults doing like weird shit to resolve some of their ailments or their problems without using any critical thinking they're just spinning their wheels you know yeah and that's dangerous too like and i'm like and even i see it with the myopia thing because there's a bunch of like online stuff about eye exercises and eye vitamins and putting weird shit in your eyes mm-hmm. that it's not a good idea. And I'm like, okay, so that misleads people who are trying to find real answers so that it annoys me that that's out there. But also it's like, you're gonna waste a lot of time, best case scenario. So I'm always like, I'm always putting Google Scholar and stuff like that out front. Cause I'm like, whenever you hear idea and it's tempting and it's maybe almost too good to be true, like what I'm saying, like I always go to Google Scholar first and be like, is there any supporting evidence, right? For or against this thing? So is that your process when vetting um, something that you're researching? Always. Oh, yeah, always. And I'm not saying it's the right because it doesn't science isn't always right. Right. Mm -hmm. But I'm looking for the counterpoint because online it's going to be an echo chamber. Right. I'm researching this therapy for my thyroid and all I'm going to find is the people are talking about it. Right. So and then I'm in this forum and there's like hundreds of people are like this really fixed it for me. Right. And then there's this <laughs> doctor, so-and-so shady doctor. Us. <laughs> oh, dude, oh, who promotes this like magical like thing. And I'm like, OK, but I'm not I want I just want to see what the flip side is. Right. Like I love Google Scholar because it just gives you did people research this. Right. And then people get mad at me because they're like, well, this might be funded by special interests and there's bad studies and there's bad data. Sure, for sure. But I just want to see like what what else is it? What's the other side talking about? Right. Is there support for this? Right. Like and a lot of times there is. And sometimes it's questionable and sometimes it's flat out like this will mess you up. Right. Mm-hmm. And then people make their own choices. Like you do whatever you want, but at least don't do it just based on like 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 I have this whole thing going on in myopia like i call myself the last living eye guru right <laughs> which is obviously impossible right like there's no such thing as an eye guru and i can't be the last one and i talk about my majestic beard which i obviously don't have <laughs> which are all kind of jokes about like this is not it's not about trusting me or a cult of personality it's all about like i'm giving you clues right now go research if that shit makes sense before you go do i like this guy's face or not 
You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, I do know what you mean. And I respect that because it can be very challenging and really great things can be lost in the minutia of bullshit. Like I, yeah. I I have a friend that I, I love dearly and his name's David Weck and he confuses me. Um, <laughs> he'll wear like he has a thing. You should talk to him. Um, he wear he'll wear like three glasses stacked on top of each other and then he'll do these exercise videos and he like he like screams at the top of his lungs and says that like mainstream exercise is out to get him and it's just it's it's wild. But I, I find that exercise a lot is where you have like people who like. Like, you know, are, are not, they're kind of doing different types of exercises and they're trying to maybe stay ahead of the curve. Um, but at some point they're chasing their own tail and just throwing out like bullshit, you know, like I have one guy who's trying to, who would say like, and he's pretty renowned, right? I'm not going to call him out cause it's, you know, I don't want to do that, but he's saying that everyone has like inherent, everyone has scoliosis. So you should never be sitting in a deep squat. And like things like that, just it's just so fuck. It's so confusing because I have friends who'd like read that and then they'd be like, oh, yeah. And they'd walk, you know, they wouldn't do go on Google Scholar and they wouldn't vet it and use critical thinking to figure out, you know, what is true and not. They just take that and run with it. Yeah. And I think it's a mindset. I also think like it can be kind of addictive. Like some people just enjoy that. Like I had a friend who's a super smart guy, very rational in general and loves Alex Jones. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I'm really? nothing against Alex Jones. No, I'm not like people always, I, no matter what I say, people get mad at me regardless. I have nothing <laughs> against Alex Jones. This guy is not a conspiracy guy. Right. He just loves the screaming and ranting. But I'm always like, I'm, I'm worried about him. I'm like, when, like, I'm like, dude, this might be reprogramming your brain where eventually, like, the guy speaks enough truth, right? Like, he says enough things that are actually true to where you might go, maybe this other thing is true, mm. right? And where, like, like for me, right? Like, I have a small brain, so maybe this just would just be my <laughs> problem. I can't watch Alex Jones because I know I would possibly fall into that hole. Mm-hmm. Like I listen to him enough, eventually I'll be like, "Oh, it is all a conspiracy." <laughs> yeah. Why is everyone you know looking I mean? at me? <laughs> I know. So I'm like, I always, I'm my general thing is like, I look at like our brain and our perception of reality like software that's always affected by our shared reality, right? So if you let your own shared reality be too much of this like conspiracy corner, then you might fall off that cliff and become that guy who's no longer functioning in the same way the rest of us are, right? Like maybe that works for you, maybe that's cool. But when it comes to health stuff, I'm like, man, that's kind of risky, right? Like Mm -hmm. the things people will try without any logical reason, some of the stuff I've seen and heard, like some of the stuff people put in their eyes, I'm like, you have to be kidding, right? Like, because the tear fluid layer is really complex and it serves a lot of purposes, right? And a, a, a big one of them being keeping stuff out, right? Like it's a barrier. Now, when you put something in your eye and you you you, pay, you replace that lipid fluid dome, this is the thing that it's called that's like covering your eye. It becomes a huge question mark of is it a good idea to replace that protective layer and what are you replacing it with and now what's going to happen, right? Like, and then we have this big Facebook group. I've had to kick people out. I'm like, you have to stop, right, with this shit. Like, you can do it, but you can't. You know what I mean? Like, I can tell you it's not safe, but they're like, oh, but my shaman told me and these these herbs only grow in this. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. Like, I'm not trying to dissuade you, right? Mm 
but I have all the there's other people in this group that are somewhat gullible and tempted, mm-hmm. and I don't want to become the vehicle to like be this you know, try the herb from this jungle and put it in your eye. Yeah, and see what happens. Rub those hands together. Don't. <laughs> yeah. So, in closing, Jake, I think like you know the biggest thing that that I I think is very important, right? Despite what anyone's going through, is could you just drive home what your procedure um, or your advice would be for anyone trying to understand whatever they're going through and to be able to use critical thinking to figure out like you know what's right for them. For eyesight specifically or in general? I'd say in general, because you have this thing where like you came into the, you know, the problem with eyesight and then it took you down this road to where you learned a lot of this information. You were able to share it with other people. But I even think just like in general, right, it it seems to have helped you out. And I think it helped out a lot of people because we often find ourselves gullible. Well, okay, so my thing is like, and, and this comes because like I, I do stock trading and I invest in companies, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so the way I make a living is look at what is bullshit and what's really going on, right? Like that's my 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 own wiring is to look at, like that's how I make money. I want to see what the facts are, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the news say this, hype says this, but what's really going on? Or if somebody's trying to like get investment for their company, like they will give you a bunch of bullshit. And I'm always like, where's the data? So I'm already, when I started looking at my eyesight, I was coming from the place of what's the data, right? Mm-hmm. Like the optometrist, like it's an unknown uh, genetic condition. I'm like, it's an unknown genetic condition. Okay, so that's what he says. So I'm going to go find a book that tells me is that the case? Today it's Google Scholar, much easier. But like the first thing is like, what does the biology say, right? Like, is there any known established stuff? If I care about this enough, right? Like people mm-hmm. talk about like, you need vitamin supplements. I'm like, that's fascinating. Because they're like, under your, the bags under your eyes tell me that you're short on, I'm like, okay, that's cool. So the first thing I did was like, I'm like, how do I find out if I have that shortcoming? And the answer was like, get blood work done. Right. Mm-hmm. So when I got blood work done and the blood work showed, indeed, I had a bunch of deficiencies. But now I'm basing my supplements on data as opposed to what some <laughs> forum says on the Internet. So my mm-hmm. thing is always like if I'm going to ingest something or if I'm going to do something that I'm, I am I want an outcome from. Right. Like I'm not messing around. Like I don't have time to screw around. So it's like I don't just kind of think I want better eyesight. I want better eyesight. Right. So if I'm going to invest in that, I'm going to invest time and effort in that. I want to know what's my chance of success. And the the very easy way to tell is, is this logic? Is there like a biological reason for why this has happened? And is can this explain why I can change it? Mm. Like when you look at eye exercises, right, like they don't explain anything like what's wrong with mine in the first place. Right. Like I'm already past it. Like if they don't if they are not talking about causality, I'm already over it, right? And then from then, it's like, what does this exercise do? How does this affect the problem, right? And then how can I measure a result? Like on NMyopia, we talk about measuring a lot, like measure your eyesight, super easy to do. And that way you can compare if you're having good habits or bad habits, quantify the stuff, right? Don't go, oh, I think I'm getting better. Like, know what you're doing. And for me, it's always one of those things, either do it or don't do it. And if you do it, invest the time upfront to know whether you're throwing away your investment or whether it might pay off. And Google Scholar is amazing because I started off in library times, right? And that was rough. Oh, I want to see some old cranky librarian who'd be like, you want what? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Google Scholar is brilliant. And you invest 10 minutes in Google Scholar and a lot of times that'll give you 
better ideas than just relying on some forum or some thing on the internet. And in closing, uh, where can people find out more about um, myopia and and myopia? Nmyopia.org is the website. Okay. Poor, somewhat poorly organized, but also has links to our Facebook group, our forum, our YouTube channel, and all that stuff. Um, it is a little bit of a discovery project, though. Like, I, I haven't really made it, like, super simple. All this stuff is there, but you're going to have to spend some time, like, reading and figuring it out. <laughs> all right. That's great. And then I'm going to uh, be setting this through to some athletes that I know that would love to learn how to work on their eyesight because like I mentioned that it's a big thing in like martial arts but you'd be surprised by how many um, people who do uh, like jujitsu and so they're doing like ground fighting because they can never do striking because they can't gauge distance right all right and and so that like it opens up a huge range for people to be able to practice that sport um by using it and they're the kind of people like us like we're talking about before with regarding like delayed gratification and stuff is like by the nature of what they do and having to go through all the things to you know get at least some semblance of skill they're a lot more determined to follow through with these kinds of things yeah and if you are determined it is a guaranteed very fixable thing and it's fun too because as your eyesight improves you it's gradual right like there's steps so i started at a minus like i started minus five you can't find your glasses right like like a minus three is a totally different world because one of the things that happens like glasses literally the way they work is they make everything smaller so the less strong strong glasses you need the physically bigger everything looks and it changes color and it changes like it right like you see a different world with lower diopter glasses whoa yeah that's wild that's awesome well thank you so much for your time jake i appreciate it man sure yeah man (laughs) thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast if you'd like to learn more about jake and how to fix your my opia you can go to nmyopia.org or find him on instagram twitter and facebook as nmyopia and you can also find links to that in the show notes and if you'd like to support the show head over to becominghumanpodcast.com and leave a comment share it with a friend rate review on google itunes stitcher wherever you happen to listen to this and i hope you guys have a wonderful week thank you guys for listening bye Each other on the track.